0: Going.
1: My bad. Yeah.
2: All right. All right. All things considered.
1: <laughs> Breaking news: I've just been accused of gaslighting by the Albion roar, which is quite an interesting response to a Brighton game against Chelsea today.
0: What What tweet prompted that?
1: I just said. I just said that dodgy refereeing decisions are going to keep happening week in and week out as long as he keeps consistently speaking out against refs. And they've just said, you're actually blaming Deserby, awful gaslighting. <laughs> I mean, if that's what they can take from that tweet, then they should probably join up the AR crew um, to <laughs> to join in on the festivities this Christmas season. Um, Robin, Craig, uh, Adam is not with us today. He's got parents, family in town. Uh, so I hope he has a lovely time. I feel like there's a lot of people doing some kind of mm. mid, mid-Thanksgiving mid Christmas get together i've got a couple of friends all doing that across it's, the pond. it's just just cheaper isn't it like yeah if you, if you
2: try and you try and travel on thanksgiving weekend and you're, you're paying double of what you probably should so you delay it a week do your little christmas early thanksgiving late and it, it seems to work so yeah but fun times
1: robin how are we
0: yeah well, good was in lapland last week so that was nice oh yeah how was that it was kind of like it was cold. It was like minus twenty, minus twenty three. <laughs> um, but like we went with like a tour operator, and they like they sent us all this stuff. They're like, right, wear wear an under, like wear a base layer, wear a mid layer, and then the hotel will give you like insulated suits, like snow suits, basically. And whatever, I don't know what they make their snow suits of, but genuinely, I was, I didn't feel the cold at all. Like I could have been out there all day, mad. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, it was good. Did, like, um, uh, drove a husky sleigh. It was absolutely – it was genuinely terrifying. Genuinely <laughs> terrifying because you're, like, going down. It's just – the dogs obviously know where they're going. It's obviously the same track every time. But, yeah, you're on this sleigh, and you, it's basically skis at the back, and then in the middle is just a foot brake. And the foot brake is basically just two spikes on it. So, you obviously, you put your weight down on it, and it will just slow your speed down. But it doesn't do a huge amount <laughs> when you need to, like – Stop quite quickly um and yeah snowmobile which is good fun it's kind of like if you've driven a quad bike it's basically mm. it's exactly the same as that but yeah it was good it was good i'd never been that far north before um and it, i mean even aside from the you know the kind of the kid stuff for for christmas like just to go there as a place like you feel like exactly where you are like at the top of the world There's like miles and miles of nothing but snow and trees like i I don't know how you could look there a window. it's like three hours of three hours of daylight a day like and the rest of the time even when it's like proper daylight it's not like proper it's like there's still like it's almost like dusk it's kind of the best you get um but an amazing place to go like you really feel like you're i guess it's like places like alaska uh probably probably quite similar Uh, but yeah you really feel like exactly where you are which is like kind of slightly helpless. Like literally, we're driving around, obviously in a coach, and you feel like I was like, if I was on my own here, and well, like you know, if you're driving around here on your own and you break down, I was oh, like, yeah. you're like you are legitimately in big trouble. Like the nearest big city, like there was a village near where we were. The nearest big city is 250 kilometers to Rovaniemi. So you're 250 kilometers away from like proper civilization. But yeah, it was good. I'd recommend. I'd recommend it as a place to go.
2: Nice.
1: Love that, love it. I love all things Christmas, so I'm an absolute sucker for the idea of doing that. And I don't even have any kids, so I would be like a fish out of water, really. I wouldn't really belong.
0: It was really um, well done. <laughs> we, got, we got like a reindeer ride to go and see Santa, and like they'd, they sent out these um, like letter templates for the kids to write, and then Santa produces their letters. And they're like, it's, it's really well done, like really,
1: really well done. But, yeah, it was good. I love that, Craig. Your keyboard is absolutely offensive. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's like, so um, loud. <laughs> <laughs>
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah, I apologise for that. No, yeah. you don't have to. That was so funny. It was worth it. I'm glad you cracked on it. I was like, like <laughs>
0: are, you, are you writing a really angry letter in
2: the 1950s? I'm, f- I'm still feeling it <laughs> from the result. I'm, <laughs> the send- I'm sending. I'm sending an email as we speak. Yeah. Anyway. jesus sorry oh, sorry to everyone goodness
1: goodness gracious no that was superb uh talking of superb um let's start with ike athens away uh none of us were able to go to this one um but we all watched it i'm sure uh, at varying times of the day uh with us all over the world um robin did you get to see any of it were you back in were you back yeah early, no i did or? yeah
0: i watched it all um it was it was sort of the anti-Albion performance, wasn't it? It was basically what teams normally do to us.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's cause... the most, it's the most interesting thing about it for me. Yeah, it like, really is, like, Showing such a different side.
0: Dominate, you know, coming at a really fast start, dominating the early exchanges, probably should have, you know, should have had one, possibly two goals, um, you know, and then, you know, penalty, red card, you know, it's just the, it's the textbook Albion capitulation. Um, and, yeah, it was really nice to see it happening <laughs> on the other side um, in, you know, in, in quite a big game. But I, I read something like they hadn't won at home in, like, 22 games in, U- in the Europa League or something like that. Um, so it wasn't hugely surprising that they didn't win. But, yeah, I did fear at the beginning. Um, obviously, Ferguson had a really good chance early on, didn't he, um, that could have made things a little bit easier. But, no, good to get the result. And, you know... What is it? So that's far, four games unbeaten, four games in a row, isn't it? So two, yep. three, no, three wins in a so three wins in a row, isn't it? Three Europa League wins in a row.
1: Um,
0: so I mean, I think you know when we were offered that when we, when we got that group, um, you know, if you'd have been offered qualification with a game to go and a home win to secure a top spot, I mean, who's not taking that,
1: right? Absolutely.
2: That type Walls of gritty, up. gritty performance, wasn't it? I think that I don't think we can shy away from the fact that we definitely weren't at our best at all. But no. being being able to win whilst being less than optimal um is something that we haven't seen in a while. So yeah, it was a it was a nice change.
0: That and Forest are the two we've started to tweak the style in that we're now quite happy to get rid of the ball when we need to. Um, which, you know, we got caught out a couple of times, probably more than a couple of times early in the season, you know, when we were trying to play out from the back absolutely every time, regardless of the match situation, regardless of the number of defenders or number of attackers closing you down. And it is, it is you know, it's quite anti, you know, it's sort of quite anti deserve to be, you know, sort of pleased that we've we've got that string to our bow, which is actually there are moments where, you can try and play as pretty football as you want, but occasionally you've got to put your boot, your, you know, you've got to put your foot through the ball and just relieve pressure for a little bit. So
1: that was nice to see that. Indeed, indeed. I guess the general take on Twitter, uh, as I'm being dogpiled on now, is that I am blaming Deservey, uh, and we all hate Deservey on this podcast. So I guess that's our new stance, fellas. Um, so we did pretty well. Veltman uh, dunk. Igor Hinchelwood again at left-back. That's three games in a row now the poor boy has had to play left-back, which is not his role. Uh, as far as I'm aware, it is supposed to be centre midfield that he plays naturally. Um, but he's been playing left-back for three games in a row now. Uh, Gilmore, Gross, Mitoima, Ferguson, Odinga and Pedro. I mean, for a midweek game with a lot of games coming up, that's quite strong, isn't it, when you consider our injury list? Yeah, that was as strong as, you could, as we could have been. Really,
2: this tends to be the path of the course at the moment, isn't it? Just like, oh, what do you think of that team? Like, that's probably the best we could have fielded, like, with with (laughs) what we have at our disposal. So, yeah, I mean, Pedro, we've spoken about Jal Pedro a lot, like, one of the first names on the team sheet for all of us, I assume. So, um, yeah, it's it's as strong as you can. Yeah, poor poor Hinshawood as well, like, having to put in a shift there at left back. But, um, yeah, it's it's the best you could possibly field, right? and And we saw just the opening twenty, twenty five minutes were a slog to watch. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, all right, we've got Bart in goal. Are we happy with this? Are we wanting to see this continue now? What is going on here? Because we've now seen steel come back in today. Mikey no, in the chat ch- Mikey in the want. chat just brings it up. Uh steel was in good decision, yay or nay? No. Just 100% no. I think if we went back to the
0: beginning <laughs> of the season, I'm just not even. I'm not even I'm not even on any sort of fence about this. If we went back to the beginning of the season, I think most of our predictions were basically that there would be some kind of rotation between the two and that by the time we got to kind of January, I think we said, that sort of time Bart would we thought Bart would be the kind of the number one, um, and I think at this point we need to hang our hat on him being number one. I mean, he's made a couple of saves. I mean, that is, those two saves we made last week against Nottingham Forest. Steele's getting nowhere near that. Right at the end, that hundredth minute save. Steele's getting nowhere near that. Um, we should be hanging our hat on Bart being number one. Just that's that's what I think.
1: Great. Okay
2: thoughts yeah i think so too um you know i I don't want to discredit everything that jason Steele has done in the last season a bit though right so like he's a a good established old head in that in that dressing room or or whatever you want to call it um i just think yeah we've we've sort of we said at the start of the season that it was going to be sort of an in and out situation until one of them is clearly becomes more favorable. And I feel like we've sort of hit that tipping point. Um and that's nothing against steel. I just think it's just better for everyone involved if if Bart is one and and steel is there as the backup. Um we'll come on to today. He didn't do too badly today for me, but it's just that Bart is better for me. That and and it just comes down to that.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah. like Cup goalkeeper and league goalkeeper has been a thing for a long time. It works. Like there's no reason to get cute and just then like throw these things around like there's just no reason like it works it works for everybody works for manchester city who are one of the best teams in the world probably ever it works for burnley like who play a different goalkeeper in the cups like it works for every like that's how it works it's tried it's and arteta right arteta's dumped it
0: very quickly
1: like his rotation thing big time yeah poor ramsdown he did
0: it for what two three weeks maybe um and you know has decided obviously it was quite a big thing he was you know they it was newsworthy when he was doing it and talking about it and we were still you know we've been doing it before and have still carried on doing it and it's not really been newsworthy but he dropped it very quickly because he say josh there's kind of a reason why basically everybody doesn't do it which is that it causes unnecessary instability I would imagine. And certainly if you look, you know, you look at the last two games, Bart has been brilliant in both of those. And, you know, defensively, we've been excellent in both of those games, particularly the Forest game. Um, so this is one of the kinds of thing we go, does A plus B lead to C? But actually you look at today. We've then swapped out the goalkeeper, obviously Dunk's not there, which is another factor, but you know, we swapped out the goalkeeper and then conceded two identical set pieces. So, you know, do you how much of the fact that we're chopping and changing with the goalkeeper again has led to that.
1: Yeah, I need need someone to carry this podcast. I've literally got effing Santa Claus outside with sleigh bells on down our street and the dogs are losing their (laughs) shit. So if someone (laughs) can continue this conversation, I would appreciate it. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) God,
2: it is the season. Um, Yeah, I think the, the only... The only possible argument I could think of is that you need leaders on the on the team if Dunk is not going to be there. So that's the only thing that I could possibly think of. Is, yeah, you're right. right but obviously
0: with Gross Gross also on the bench.
2: Yeah, so on the
0: bench, It's a very young team, isn't it? Well, it's you, a very
2: well, yeah. experienced team and you um, and you still got teenagers out there you have to remember right mostly like, teenagers to be yeah, honest yeah so, <laughs> so you've got you got an 18 year old at left back you got another 18 19 year old at right wing um you've got obviously Lallana in the middle as the captain is fantastic but he's he's playing in that advanced cam role anyway so yeah. just having having someone there just and i think still I don't say it was the right choice, but I can understand the choice. Um, So, uh, and in that respect, right, you can talk about the corners, whatever you like, but we've been awful at corners, regardless of who's in goal. Right. So, you know, that that's by the by. And and if Lewis Dunk is there, then it's a different story, I'm sure. Um, So whilst, whilst we can, whilst I can sit here, sorry, and say, right. Yeah. But in hindsight could have been a better choice Um, just, you know, because, because we saw the the set pieces and and the penalty, um I can still understand why still was in there, and I think it could be partially justified um but I think just we're just talking in the medium to long term, like let's stick with who is going to be number one right let's let's not keep flapping about with this. We have enough rotation in the outfield ten as it is, yeah, regardless of whether also changing the one consistent factor that is normally in your team
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. I think when you're making when you're having to make. So many changes, anyway. Have, changing your goalkeeper seems like a luxury one that you don't need to be doing on top of everything else.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, for, for us, that's Bart, obviously. Um, you know, and and just with that, and still, I would love for still to play in the Europa League and, and play in the FA Cup and, <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. Like that's that's absolutely fine. Um, I think he's a more than capable goalkeeper. I just think you're right that the the amount of rotation there just it doesn't lend itself too well. Um, but there you go. Um should should we should we talk about the set pieces? Because um yeah, I obviously the first goal, what like 15, 20 minutes in, is just bad set piece defending. Um and just I think comes over just they clearly had a game plan from set pieces and we can talk about that too. But Punt it to the far post, bring it back into the middle, and someone will be there waiting for him because Jack Hinselwood is five foot six, right? And and that that tend to be the theme for the the first couple. Um it just yeah, we we can talk about a set piece coach and Nick Stanley and everything like that, but it's just par like for the course, isn't it really?
0: Yeah, I find it baffling. I said in our chat, like and this is not not supposed to be overly critical, but it's more just I find it amazing that these guys train like full time right like the amount of training that they do and this is clearly our achilles heel right like undeniably if you look across every aspect of the game most other aspects are going fine
1: well and counter attacks right like
0: but like this is collapse um, on the counter if you sat down like if you sat everybody down and you're like right if there's only if there's one aspect of the game that we need to work on what is it? Like, if you ask most people, I would imagine set-piece defending.
1: And attacking.
2: Yeah, set-piece. Set fir-
1: I think that's the first goal from a set-piece that we've scored outside of penalties, obviously. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. someone in, like, the stateside chat has been keeping count. I think we're, like, literally at, like, 165-plus corners at this point without a goal before yeah. today. So, yeah, it's, quite significant in needing of work.
0: <laughs> but we've, we've seemingly got, considering that, like, we're – we are, what, five months into the season, near enough. We have not got any better at defending corners. Like, we just haven't. And I find that wild, given the amount of hours available
1: on the training pitch. Can I counter that? Just one, Well, not counter it, but at least bring attention to one thing as well. We gave away quite a few fouls to Athens in the middle of the week and they were very, very good against us when it came to set pieces at the Amex. We all watched that shit show unfold, and we defended them very, very well this time. I will just point out that the difference was Bart Boe again. I don't think... And Lewis don't. Yeah, I think that that Bart claims at least one of those today, that Chelsea scored literally identical goals back-to-back.
0: What would be interesting is to get the view of people that have been to very recent games like that where the away fans are kind of right up on the pitch. Because what I, what I want a view on, which is very difficult to get, is which keeper has got better communication. Like who is really telling, who is really organising the defence and who is coming, as you say, Josh, who is being very authoritative to say, I'm claiming this, this is mine, get out of the way. Like that is the, that is the kind of the factor that is probably really important, but we just not get we, we don't really get a view of it necessarily unless you're in the in, in the ground close enough to kind of observe it. But you'd have thought that the goal that the role of the goalkeeper in you know positioning everybody, making sure everyone's where
1: they should be, is quite important. Well, I'm at but I'm at, but. I'm at Burnley next weekend, and my seat is really close to that goal. So I'll now homework
0: just for next week.
1: Yeah, I'll not even bother actually watching the game. I'll just no, like, just stare down the keeper, that's whoever it. it is, make notes. <laughs>
0: <You need laughs> to, know as to It might be just. It might be something that's making no difference, but you know, you see maybe there's a difference in how they, where maybe how their positioning is or whatever it might be. Um, but it's certainly. It is certainly interesting that as you say, like the forest game that again we defended really well, especially with 10 men towards the end where you know it was fifteen or twenty minutes of pretty consistent crosses and set pieces. Um without Dunk, we you know we defended that really well. And again, for Brugens, the, the keeper then, isn't he? So yep. it's it's one of those things to say hey, it may be you know us drawing. The wrong conclusion from circumstantial
1: evidence but i mean he was marked as player of the match on who scored.com for the athens game it's hard to get player of the match in a in a who scored rating as a goalkeeper um because goals and assists weight that like it's an insane weight generally that mm-hmm. goals and assists get on that website um so for him to be top uh, and it didn't even. I mean, he made a couple of good saves, but like, it wasn't like a masterclass, right? Like, it wasn't one no. of those ones where you think, Jesus, he kept us totally in it here. Um, he was just very good, uh, Donkey, as well. Obviously, um, let's talk a little bit about one of one of my favourites, uh, who is continuing to be just absolutely superb, uh, Mister João Pedro, um, the guy that you want behind a penalty. These days, right? Like we thought we'd found the penalty kick taker since Toma Hemed left, who is the best one I've ever watched at the Albion in Alexis McAllister. And Jaume Pedro has came in with just so much pressure on every single one. He doesn't ever win penalties in situations where it's chill. It's always, like, insane cauldrons. Marseille, Athens, at home to Athens, at the Athens end. Like, he just loved... Like, he only seems to get penalties against, like, just unbelievable pressure moments. And he is still with a 100% record. And he's not a small lad, and he's just came in and converted the first goal from a corner in 84 years of Albion corners. <laughs> how 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 important is he going to be in the next couple of months, especially as we're kind of trying to get people back from injury? Like he's, it's just unbelievable,
0: isn't he? He, I mean, if you look at his, his holdup play is phenomenal as well. Um The only, you know, he just, the only thing is that we've said his finishing from inside the box um leaves a little bit to be desired. And, He's had a few first touches that make Craig McHale-Smith look like Messi. But other than that, I mean, it's this classic one where you go, if he had those parts of his game nailed down, then he wouldn't be with us, would he? It's the same, you know, it's basically, you know, Pascal Gross with, with pace, you know, isn't with us either, is it? So it's that, it's the kind of, you know, we're not going to find the perfect player sitting with us. But, you know, we called it so early on, like that ice-cold, penalty taker i know it's taken us collectively different stages to reach the point where you go right this guy is like he is it um but i say it is i every time he steps up to take a penalty i'm 100 convinced he's going to score like deserve he's obviously not you see deserve he watching doesn't doesn't watch them um but i don't know whether it's becoming just like Collect like sort of the weight of it. He's done so many that as he's the, like the better he gets, the even more confidence he gets. But like you say, all in those kind of cold. I don't think he just he relishes the fact that you know he's in a cold, whatever it might be, Athens, Marseille, Um and on top of that, he has the he has the gall just to roll them in as well, like the ones that look even worse. Like if you miss those. Like, you know, you try and roll it in and you just basically pass it to the goalkeeper. You know, you just look like a dickhead, don't you?
1: I think like, that's the thing I like about Harry Kane's penalties, how much of a prick he is when, he's, when he was at Spurs. Like, I love the fact that, for England at least, like, even when he missed against France, like, he yeah. blasts every single pick. Like, the school of Shearer. Like, he just yeah. fucking hammers each one. And I'm like, I don't care. As long as, one, it's on target, and two, you hit it hard. Like, I can forgive you're not scoring it because then after that, it's just luck, isn't it? Right. It's not, like... it's not through the lack of trying. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I I was probably the last convert, but I can say that I'm, I'm now dead set on jab joke, just scoring every single one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but I, I'm a, I'm of the deserve ill. Cause I hate penalties. That's just one of my things. I just, especially if it, if it involves Brighton or, or England to that respect um it, it's just painful for me to watch
0: it is. i have so. to say the one i didn't i didn't watch i didn't watch his one at marseille in the ground i couldn't watch that because it had yeah. been it's one of those games where it had been such like the whole basically the whole balance of that day rested on whether he put that ball in, <laughs> in the back of it or not it wasn't just the game it was like the entire trip you know everything but that's that's the only one i've never watched but
2: so i i have a i have a ritual right because i'm like because Josh will be aware of this is I'm always like 60 seconds behind when I watch the games, even if they're live, like just the, the relay is just slower. Right. So as soon as I see a penalty or anything like that, the phone turns over, I take, I take the watch off and I just slam the laptop shut. Cause as soon as it's a penalty, I don't want to see, like, I can't, even fathom like knowing anything about it so like even if i again athens was at eleven forty-five in the morning for for central american time so i'm halfway through doing some work i've got it on the side and then bang slam just i don't want to know anything about it i just i don't know what i'm i don't know what's wrong with me but um yeah i, I shouldn't have to worry because jao pedro scores every single one of them so um so we're fine. You know
0: what's, what's mad as well josh you'll appreciate this as well it for, for me it's exactly the same on my latest Football Manager save. Genuinely, <laughs> yes. it's like it is every like the season. Like at the moment, he has scored every single one. If he's not on the pitch or if he's not in the squad, Gross has tried to take one, Gilmore's tried to take one, Ferguson's tried to take one. They've all missed, but Joe has scored every one. So hats off to the hats off to the Football Manager guys for building that yeah. in as well
1: si games on it yeah. on top of it there's a reason why they're used by actual football clubs i guess um, it's just absurd <laughs> um
0: but it is i mean it, and the fact he's so young as well we forget he's what 22 23 he's just 23 isn't he 22 23 something like that we forget that despite 22. being that yeah he's yeah, he's really experienced. We said before, you know, he's really experienced in English football as well. Played a lot of big games. Probably take... I don't know what he was like for Watford taking penalties. I presume the same.
1: He I was their captain. He was their captain. Um, last and year, from every Watford fan I've heard of, it's like he was the sole reason that they weren't relegated like that last year with how poor they were. Like he was, he dragged them to mid table. Like, I have to assume that he was pretty Just good. At the same it. thing. Yeah. His penalty conversion rate. I'm sure there's a stat somewhere. Championship will have like lots of stats available. I'll have a look for it while I'm uh, while I'm doing this, having this conversation. We'll see if we can find it. A um, couple of others to talk about that I'd love to touch on. Um, this is a player that everybody was a little bit up in the air about when we signed him, and I've also been like unashamedly a fan pretty early on, um, but we all were a little bit reserved with signing him because the last time and only time most Brighton fans will have seen him was coming on as a substitute in the dying moment of Fiori and, Tina and making an absolute mess of a break allowing West Ham to win the Conference League that is not the Igor that Brighton and Ovarbian have is it I thought he was very good today I thought he was very good uh against Athens and at this point like it's getting really tough because we just talked last week about the absolute heroics of Van Hecker and now we've got Igor who has been unbelievably consistent naturally left-footed very good at progressing the ball and we've obviously got club captain Lewis Dunk who's always going to start it's a good problem for Deserbi to have I think um but I think that you know Igor has played himself into a position now where he should be considered for that constant rotation, if anything else, like, which brings in another problem of rotating centre-halves, which you don't want to have. So it's a tough one. I'm glad I'm not paid to make these decisions.
0: Yeah, it is really tough, isn't it? It's very, very tough. Because actually, Dunk was brilliant in that Athens game. But as we've talked about, he's not generally been up to his stellar best across the season as a whole. So you could, it's really difficult. You go generally on form. Probably Van Hecker's out in front, isn't he? Consist as in terms of consistency this season. And actually, there's not there's not a huge toss up between Dunk and Eagle currently on form. But see, Dunk has you know club captain has all of that that kind of history behind him. Be really interesting if Dunk. You know, if you if Dunk was also a relatively new signing, and didn't have all of that club captain, etc., etc., who you'd be picking out of Igor and Dunk? Because I think it would be pretty close at the moment.
2: He is good, isn't he? And and just he's silky. And I I feel for Webster, who's now completely out on the abyss, because I I think just (laughs) but, but just with what Igor. Eagle has some very Webster-esque type runs in him that we saw in Athens as well, where he just bombs forward and gets into that middle space if you if you really divert wide. Um, something that we've seen Webster do and do very well, but is kind of not doing it as often um, for whatever reason. So Eagle being able to press into that space in the middle, just giving that extra person there, is very good. And he's very solid defensively. So it's for me you you're going Duncan Van Hecker at the moment. Van Hecker's been insane the last couple of games. I think just with with what he's been doing and and how far he's come. So Duncan Van Hecker are the two for me, but Igor does have a bone to pick if he's not being rotated into that. Um or he needs to give some outstanding performances so that that's his and he he's the one that needs to be dropped as opposed to Van Hecker. Um he's slightly unfortunate at the moment that Van Hecker's playing out of his skin. Um and Dunk is just number one on the team sheet
1: yeah it's brutal is it um and obviously we're not a team that traditionally plays three at the back at this point so it's not even like you can do that because if anything Veltman certainly hasn't played himself out of a role has he like Veltman is also superb um it's a shame none of them can learn to play like natural left back um but it seems clear to me at this point that with Hinchelwood being drafted in there, Deserby definitely isn't comfortable enough to be put in Igor at left-back naturally. I know he's filled in a couple of times as an emergency, um, but it certainly isn't something that they want to be doing full-time. Um, so I think that's going to be one of those things that we're just going to have to see how Deserby rotates them because he's he's suffering from success a little bit here that we've had so many injuries uh, and we're operating very much on the next man up process and so many of those men are putting in superb performances. So, I mean, look at Adingra, right? Like, when March and Ciso come back, I mean, obviously, with with March, it's a year away problem, right? And we never know what sort of Solly March ever comes back, right? Let's let's not, like, cook him too much, but, like, it's very reasonable and possible to assume that a 30-year-old Solly March is not half the player he ever was and we don't get that back. But when you look at Mitoima, Adingra, and Ciso, Fatty. Like again, like we're we're running into a situation where Adingra has done nothing to lose that place, but there's a pretty solid chance he will, isn't it?
0: I think it. it I think it entirely depends how quickly and Ciso comes out of the blocks. Because we've seen, like I said, D- Zerbi's pretty happy to make what on the surface are pretty brutal decisions in terms of you think someone's done nothing wrong, but. They're out because of whatever reason. I think I say, yeah, it depends wholly how quickly Inciso gets up to speed. If he picks up pretty much where he left off, then it's a it's an interesting problem to have, isn't it?
2: Poor poor is being run into the grounds at the moment. By the way, like but I guess he's, this... you know,
0: he's going to go. I mean, he's going to be gone in January, isn't he? For the Af, the Afcon anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah. It depends I, then... whether
0: Inciso is back. And he's and he's getting
2: he's getting picks, isn't he? Like there's no there's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah, so yeah. It's just, but yeah, I think we're hopefully I think Fatty comes back by that time as well and you've got N back. Um you know, a little bit of rustiness there, but but whatever. Like you saw Beckabert come on today at the end of today's game, right? I don't yeah. want to jump forwards, but this is the extent of the injuries that we've got.
0: And I we think, saw yeah. Dathas come on in yeah, and nearly score a blind. Oh, no, Should have sealed it. Should have sealed it. And, and actually, don't worry about it was given. It was given offside, but it, he wasn't. He was. Like, it yeah. would have been. It would have. It would have counted. And it was such a glorious move as well. And I was like, he was. It was so close to just bend, to just bending it in.
2: You, you think of a more perfect debut for for a club? Are you joking? Like even having your debut away to Athens in the Europa League at what yeah. eighteen years old? Just coming on like,
0: and just curling it inside the like into the top corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah,
1: I mean, he came back and played the under 23s the next day as well by the way he mad. Hey, jump, jump um, straight straight on the plane
0: but actually you know the, the benefit of this is that we are blooding these youngsters who ordinarily would be nowhere near which is you know which is great Like I think they said you know I think the under 23s played at the Amex the other day didn't they in their European equivalent and the coach is making the point say actually they don't want to get to the, the stage where you know someone's coming on someone has to play and they you know basically they're just cold they've not played at the Amex before they've not played for the first team and suddenly they're thrust in so now you've got the extent where you know all of these young kids have been traveling in the match day squad coming on here and there even if they're not coming on they're still getting the you know the vibe of sitting on the bench you know in, match, a full, match day in a full, you know, in a big, in a in a big stadium with the atmosphere, etc. So that is to take any positives from the injury situation. It's going to be that.
1: Yeah, it really is, and I don't think you can understate like how important that's going to be for these players as they as they grow. Um, and for us, I mean, that marked one of the most momentous occasions in our entire club history too. We're now sat second. Uh, in Group B on 10 points, Marseille one point ahead of us uh, on 11, uh, because, of course, they got that draw um, against Ajax uh, against us, and then they've won their last three. Um, and obviously, we we ballsed it up against Athens at home, but we're now absolutely qualified for the next round of the Europa League, uh, and we now have it all to play for to seal that top spot and avoid a Champions League dropout situation uh, at home to Marseille uh, in, what, 11 days? Because it just doesn't stop at this time of the year. Um, We're in a seriously strong position, though, aren't we? Like, I understand Marseille have improved under Gattuso, um, but at home, under the lights, all the pressure, Jean-Pedro has to start. If he doesn't, I'm going to cry. But this is, I mean... An unbelievable time to be a Brighton fan. We've just watched us probably get a best result in RB in history.
2: Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And I think you don't want to understate just the achievement there, just because it was a very much a smash and grab type deal. But you're playing knockout European football now, right? And you, you go to the, the draw of the group and everyone's saying, oh, Marseille, Ajax, like Athens, that's a tough group. Like, how are they going to do? Um, Ten points from five games is how we're going to do. And, and, you know, we're, we're sort of a, a home win away from even skipping the round of 32. So, you know, that's, I, I wouldn't say, well, for me, we've definitely overachieved in that respect. I didn't expect us to be in this position where the game spare, automatically qualified, and now going to go and win the group. Right, They're, those are big teams, so it's huge. And, and being able to go away to Athens, squad half full of teenagers, <laughs> smash and grab the win, come back, and it, it's it's massive. And they deserve every single bit of it.
0: And like I said, I, I love how much Palace must hate everything everything about this as well. Like it's just like I would be. Like let's be honest, if the if the boots on the other foot, how much are we hating that? If Palace do what oh, we've done, yeah, it's horrible. Like, it's legitimately horrible. But the fact that we qualified in the first place would have been irritating for them, obviously. And then we get a really good group in terms of you know like nice cities to go to, and then we do quite well. Um, we've qualified, you know. It's just like it must be really irritating for them.
1: Uh, yeah, I can imagine. It's not their favorite time of the year. Um <laughs> I don't know how they did today. Did they draw or did they, drew they win? Yeah, they drew, yeah. Drew against well, a very poor West Ham side as well, yeah. Um all right, well move on to this shit show that we watched today. Um and we've already talked a little bit about the set piece issues that we've got uh and what's going on, but I mean this starting 11 for starters, the fact that we are feeling pretty aggrieved uh by the result today, um, and Deserbi has now came out and he said he does not want to speak about referees. We have to accept the referee's decision. I don't know if it was a mistake or not. This is some uh, some quality restraint from Roberto. Um, I suspect someone has spoken to him beforehand and has said, "Please, like, well, we need you your, on the sideline." Yeah.
0: He's read your tweet,
1: hasn't he? Clearly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not
0: being <laughs> yeah. gaslighted by that,
1: by them. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, he's he's came out. He's just refused to talk about it altogether. Um, and you know, sadly, that's exactly what PGMOL want, right? Like, that's what they want. They want total submission and compliance to whatever they're doing, regardless of how unbelievably wrong it is. Um, but. How is how is Caicedo on that pitch today? How is he there? It's baffling to me. How are we having the game stopped for such a clear ball to the face in order for a VAR check? How are we having a situation where Pochettino genuinely believes that Gallagher's second attack foul was not a yellow card? How are we getting to a point where Milner's was a clear and obvious error, which... Is a tackle we see every week in the Premier League. It's just, it's just a shoulder, like a chest to chest, shoulder to shoulder, body to body collision. That's just not anything in it. Neither of them were even near the ball, frankly. Oh, yeah. Like, no, Midrick was never going to get there, and neither was
0: Milner. Do you know what the wild, the, the wildest thing is about the? You were right, Craig, in the chat. Um, Craig Pawson gives a penalty for that one that's hit Cole in the face. Mental. He's given that as a penalty, and then had to go over and review it, and then overturn the decision. And apparently, I'm just reading a tweet now. They said because the call was reversed, it is then a drop ball. So that is the correct decision in terms of being a drop ball. But he's genuinely given a penalty for that when it's it's like it's clattered him in the face. So how is he so certain that that one's a penalty? It's mad.
2: I, I don't. I don't get it. And and so back to the the Milner penalty quote unquote, right? Like that type of shepherding, you will see six or seven times a game when you try and see a ball out for a corner or a goal kick or whatever you want to talk about it. Right. So I don't get it. And if I'm just saying in my own opinion, if that happened to us, we don't get that. They, they whistle on and they go play on, they don't even check it. So you know, oh, I can put my Tim foil hat on like a beer all day, but nobody wants to listen to that. Um, it, it's just more around okay, the I- inconsistency of these damn things. I'm so tired about talking about it, but just the sheer inconsistency and the sheer re refereeing of the game from someone that is not at the ground in a clear and obvious effort, error when clear, they just wanted to change the 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 actual result of the foul. It's just shocking, and I, I don't get it. And as going back to the whole Casado thing, God knows. There's, there's three or four yellow cards that you probably could have had today um, and you, you, you get one of them and that was well overdue in the first place but it, it, it doesn't make sense to me.
1: Uh, I think you're right though. I don't want to dwell too long on this. Um, so Robin, what have you got for us?
0: I mean, I'm with Craig. I'm and then bored. we can move
1: on. <laughs> I'm just bored of talking about it. Um,
0: and it's just really sad that after every game, not even just our games, every game seemingly the headline is about a refereeing decision. Which is sad, right? Because like you always say it's the classic, you know, if you haven't noticed the referee, then he's had a really good game. But, you know, like whether it's you know, like wolves before yesterday, like wolves have been done twice in two weeks by awful penalties right at the end. And then you obviously had the Newcastle Arsenal one that dominate you know, a red card and a goal that dominated that game it just seems like it's it's all that's ever talked about and it's not even just us being biased about brighton games it's in every game it seems that's the the takeaway is that someone's made a you know someone has made an error which has changed the course of the game and it's just it's getting to the point where it's just it's ridiculous
2: and uh, yeah and I agree with. You. I would rather sit here and talk about how crap we were. Yeah. <laughs> or, 100%. And, and just say how much we deserve the thing. And you can go back and even listen to the Villa podcast if you really want to, right? But like, it, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it if we're shit. But, yeah, but the, it's not thing
0: sugarcoating it. It's yeah. just, it's the big talking point of the game. And it's, yeah. it's, it's
1: boring. It's boring having to talk about it. <laughs> and to me, like I said in the chat earlier, like it's getting borderline like, reckless too, right? Like, the amount... And this is, again, this is a Brighton thing. We've only had the one incident, right, with Paulina and Gross, but we're starting to see it every week now, where there are some really quite dangerous and reckless elbows going into players' faces, back of their head, which is particularly scary. And there's just... They're not even blowing up for it. Like, they're not even blowing up for a foul. You know,
0: my... I've developed the theory, which is like, I know we've talked about the whole kind of tinfoil hat corruption thing to death, right? If we park that and you go, well, what is the explanation? Because you go pre-VAR, and this isn't an anti-VAR thing. You just go pre-VAR, there weren't as many discussions post-game about referees as we have now, right? Like, I don't think I'm misremembering that. I think it just wasn't, it wasn't so front and centre that there would be so many dominating, you know, conversations about referees the theory, my honest theory is that it's got to the point where i think referees have taken their eye literally off the ball because they know that they've got var in theory to back them up but the problem is is that as we've seen var's don't want to throw their mates under the bus so what you get from that is you get a whole bunch of poor decisions because the guys on the on the pitch are like, well, yeah, it doesn't matter if I get it right first time or not, because there's lots of other people looking at it. But those other people looking at it are reticent to throw their mates under the bus. That's my, I mean, like my
1: current working
0: theory anyway.
1: I mean, it's absolutely true, though, right? Like We're literally watching it and we've had Mike Dean come out in writing and say that that oh, is yeah, exactly the case. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like I talked about it before. That, like linesmen are essentially a waste of money now. They don't do waste anything. Linos don't do anything anymore. Told not to put their flags up. Yep, they so they literally they... offer nothing to the game. Yeah, anymore. And because
0: yeah, and they don't even their decision their decision on whether something's offside or not is pointless because it will be looked at in minute detail by VAR anyway. You know, like the number of times that they give a throw in and the referee gives it the other way. It's like, oh, I didn't realise you were much closer to it than the guy who's, you know, two metres away from what's just happened. Pointless. Completely pointless.
1: i tell you what it feels like. Honestly, at this point, point Craig will know how I feel. Um, and James in the chat has just posted, the whole VAR experience is very much as if the reviewing of referee decisions has been outsourced to two morons on Twitter uh, who don't watch football, don't really like football, and don't know the rules uh dunk sending off was surely due to accumulated frustration at refereeing incompetence uh i mean yeah probably um the ref must control the game firmly and consistently right like we've seen that that absolutely isn't the case what i feel has happened to the game since VAR VAR has came in and i feel like whether let's pretend let's say that it's definitely not corrupt and it's just idiocy. Let's say there's no dodginess going on whatsoever, even though I would argue that when you look at the decision City and Newcastle get while they pay referees to referee in their leagues, really owes some very serious hawkeye on it. Um, if we just attribute to stupidity and shitness, right, instead of dodginess, it feels like it's become a sports entertainment situation, not a sport. It feels like we're going slowly but surely into WWE situations. We're getting to a point where we know that if that referee is sent to the monitor, he's going to give whatever decision he's told. There is no due process there. That is the way it works 100% of the time, right? In Europe, it's different, but in the Premier League currently, if a referee is called to the monitor, I think twice. I saw twice in all monitor call-ups. And that was both early on in the first season of EAR. Both times. And they're the only two times you've ever seen it turned over. It's now because it's theater, right? It's theater to get the crowd worked up. And like that's not sport. That's sports entertainment. That's literally like the um like the the mystery general manager of Raw for 10 yeah. you know, right? Like it's, point, go- it's just theater. There's no but you know what it is? It's like who's
0: you go with like what we've what we've seen the forest game last week, today as well, the referee in both of those games has not been in control, right? The forest game particularly just seemed to just lose the plot of what was going on. Is it because now effectively the referee isn't the most important element in this? Absolutely. So if you're a player, right? Pre-VAR, the referee is paramount because whatever the referee decides is what's going to happen. Now, if you're on the pitch and the referee gives a decision, be it a penalty or you know, a sending off whatever it might be, as a player, you know you know that the referee doesn't isn't the most paramount person here because someone else is going to make the decision ultimately. So do you not lose a little bit of respect for the referee?
2: You do, and they are. They're not,
0: they're not the. They're not the guy in charge.
2: They are the scapegoat for the real decision, right? Yeah. So, and, and I, I think you're spot on, right? I think the the VAR officials can hide in a static caravan somewhere, and, and and go and just say, right, you know, actually, we want to change this. And to Josh's point, right, you send the referee over to the monitor. You are telling the referee to change their mind. You're you're not yeah. saying we need to advise here and you need to take a quick look at this and see if you agree with us. It's now become, you've got this wrong. You need to change your mind. In which case the power and the element of control is completely yeah, switched. So that's where, that's where the work is needed. And I think a knock on impact and, and almost like a double impact there is, no one gives a crap about what the ref says on the pitch now because, like, yeah. he doesn't need to get it right anymore. There's no, there's no due diligence there. There's no actual skill involved there. He can just blow for a penalty for something that's clearly hit someone in the head and go, ah, don't worry about it because, like, they'll just go and check it anyway. In which case, it completely devoids any necessity to be good at your job, really. And, and, and also, and that's it's the comes issue. back
0: to that we keep coming back to go. The point of VAR was supposed to be to intervene and overturn absolute clangers not to re-referee
2: yeah and if and if and if there's no var i would like to think this is a very very contentious point i'd like to think he doesn't blow for that because it's not very clearly a penalty right correct he's he's gone and blown for that and gone if i've got that wrong whatever it'll be overturned anyway there's no repercussion for getting it wrong there but what you are doing is diminishing your respect on the pitch by just simply blowing for everything and getting it re-refereed for you. It's useless.
1: But do you know I, what it if, is to say? You would you like attend... to think there's a linesman who checks that at the same time, right? And they hold yeah, that like discussion without if, VAR.
2: If only there was someone else, you know, like three others that are with him, like in the <laughs> ground that could also experience it. Jesus, what? And I
1: think, I, think many... is well, sorry, okay. I think the issue is as well, sorry. I think the issue is that those people who are in VAR 150 miles away will next week be on the pitch. And the ones who are on the pitch will be in the VAR caravan. So, like, that's the issue, too, I think, is just, like, it's just this. The whole thing's just messed, does not it?
0: Yeah. But if you look at, like, take the championship, right? So that's a league which gets a lot of coverage in general. Obviously not as much as the Premier League, but you get a lot of coverage of the championship, be it in written journalism or Sky Sports News or whatever it might be, right? Covered pretty well. How many instances this season has there been where the dominating talking point has been a
1: refereeing decision? I don't think there's been many. I'll tell you one. When old Dickhead Taylor got demoted and ruined and railroaded that Coventry game.
0: Oh, yeah, that is interesting, isn't it?
1: So ironically, the Premier League referee that messed up the VAR call, who then got demoted for being shit, then was so shit in the championship that he was the talking point that week. So that's where we're at with that. That's that's the only one I can remember.
0: But it is. It's just... I know we said <laughs> we were bored of it and didn't want to talk about it, and I've now talked about it for a long time. Um but it's genuinely one of the things we go. I don't even know where. I don't even know how they would start fixing it
1: because there's automated, too many aspects uh, semi-automated offsides for a start. There yeah, you know, there's too gosh. many aspects of it that are just like.
0: Well, you'd have you have to you have to separate out the refereeing pool from the VAR pool. Like you can't have as to Josh's point, you cannot have the situation where someone is going to be a referee one week and it's going to be a VAR the week after that because naturally they're not going to, you know, they're not going to want to be on the end of what they're going to, you know, give their mates. So.
1: All right. (sighs) Let's, let's actually move on uh, because we have obviously got a lot of games left to play for the rest of this year. It is crazy season uh, for football Um, and the best way to watch it. uh, You guessed it down at your local green King sports pub, of course, where else Uh, after all Christmas is a time to catch up with friends Old and new, uh, like Adam is right now, with his mum. Uh, So get the team to your local for pints, food, and live action of every Christmas cracker. Love the puns uh, that I've been given to whip out here. This is definitely my kind of messaging. Uh, Every fixture from TNT, Sky, and Amazon, uh, who are rearing their ugly head as usual around the Christmas period, is live at Green King Sport Pubs. Uh, that means wall action on huge HD screens. So head down to your local Green King, watch every winning goal, any volley, any dodgy VAR decision that we'll talk about at horrible, odious length uh, in an atmosphere worth sharing. Uh, download, download the Green King Sport app, uh, and you will receive 10% off drinks every single time there's a game on the TV. So if you fancy a cheaper pint than usual, get it downloaded, crack on with it. Um, let's end this podcast on a good note, though, because uh, I think I think that actually, even though this officiating situation was a shit show, uh, there's a lot of credits we had here today, and uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Steele Hinchward, Igor Van Heck, Veltman, Belaber, Gilmore, Adingra, Lalana, Bronnart, A, and Ferguson. So, we've got Hinchward playing at left back. We've got no Lewis Dunk. We've got Baleba coming into the middle of the park. We've got Gilmore playing on a 48-hour turnaround. We've got Lana back in. We've got Adingra, again, who's been running to the ground. We've got someone who we considered was a rather lightweight Bonanate. Mm-hmm. Veltman, again, playing right back on the turnaround of what was just an insane couple of days in Athens. Uh, and Ferguson, who has not looked at his fittest this season uh, after he got ill at the Athens home game. We've speculated a little bit on that, but I don't think there's any much more need to go into that. He starts again. Um, this team, along with the bench as well, uh, is one of the probably the weakest on paper teams I have seen since the Huton era, frankly. And that's not an indictment of that team. Uh, it's more the fact that we have got such a serious situation with the amount of injuries the couple of suspensions, of course, that have been a little bit self-inflicted um, and general need for rest with Pedro, Mitoma and Gross on the bench. Right. This team today, who were kept late in Athens, by the way, due to drug testing, from what I can understand uh, on the commentary today. Apparently, we actually left significantly later than usual. Uh, I think the following day we ended up leaving. Um, due to some of the drug tests that come in, uh, they needed them to go and I guess they couldn't, so they had to wait. Um, and the commentary was basically like that I, I, like I know how it was from my day, like the adrenaline, the stuff like you literally can't like sometimes for a little while. Um, so they took a lot longer to get back. Uh, some of these boys went and played for under 23, so they 12 hours of getting back when they were watching fat boys slim four hours earlier. They came to Chelsea and they played well enough for us to feel aggrieved. If that doesn't tell us all of the positivity you need to hear that De has instilled into this team, the winning mentality, the never say die mentality, like this team has it, has it. Like they know what they can do. They have the confidence to do it. You have like Baker, Boati come on and look like he's eager to contribute in the dying seconds. He's not hiding away. Right. And he could have because we had about 10 people in the box all the time. He had every reason. He could have just backed off a little bit and shook his head. He was desperate for the ball. Like there's a lot of positives to take out from the team spirit and the togetherness. And, you know, the over exuberant celebrations last week at Forest probably showed it well as well. This team are so together, aren't they?
0: And, and I think at the end of the game, don't know if it showed on your coverage, but Lewis Duncan charging onto the pitch to have, basically have a fight with Robert Sanchez, who was being a bit of a dickhead. That shows you like the captain is not even playing, spots something and is coming straight on the pitch.
2: You, bear- you, yeah. You can't question the mentality of these guys. And no. I think you do that first half, right? You, you can talk about the I already talked about the two set pieces when we haven't even finished talking about Athens, by the way, that was my ban. But just with, um, just with those, like they're just isolated cases. And we, we know that we're bad at those and it's just two identical ones. You learn from those, but on the whole, that first half isn't that bad, right? They're they're not, they're not creating endless amounts of opportunities. They've had two corners and scored from two of them. Is that annoying? Yeah. Should they be going in? No, but you know, on the whole with the passage of play and and what they were doing with 12 injuries and fielding that team away to Chelsea and, and playing like, you did in that first half it's not like we were getting trounced in any way it was quite even um which is what you can ask for three days removed from a trip to athens
1: yeah i, I thought it was i thought it was excellent all things considered uh, and Chelsea is still
0: woeful after spending a billion quid as well
1: well i mean that's the thing right they've had a week's rest and they had their full squad out and they went life and death with us and required a little bit of favourable officiating to take a result at home from a team that just played on Thursday night with half of their squad in A E. There's there's a lot to be proud of from the Albion at the minute. We knew this season was nowhere near gonna be as easy as the last one, right? We've got such a different look outlook. It's not gonna be made any easier than going to bloody stoke in the FA Cup either, by the way uh yeah big physical team uh that still are they are they're not like Burnley that have undergone like a transformation. They still know how to make uh the Britannia I don't know if it's a Britannia anymore, a fortress. Um they know what they're doing. And that's going to be a very tough afternoon for whoever that eleven is uh against Stoke in early January of all times. Mm-hmm. Um this is this is tough. Uh, and, it you know, we've got Brentford next on Wednesday. Uh, we've got Burnley at the weekend, which is probably a bit of a reprieve for the Arbyn. Because if there's ever a team that you want to come up against, weirdly enough now, this season, it is Burnley at home, isn't it? Because those two teams, the physicality without Ivan Toney is not there with Brentford. And Burnley are a very pretty team that want to play pretty football with non-premier league players so there's a little bit of a chance to to get our groove back this week i think
0: yeah and shall we finish with the good news that deserve is apparently going to sign a new contract
1: yeah i saw that there's been a couple of uh rumors and tweets going around hasn't there that that deserve is in the mood for a new deal um the sooner the better frankly um I know there's been rumours here, there and everywhere of Barca, of Real Madrid, of Juve, of Man City. Um, But uh, do you know what? Like, uh, I know some people are not a fan of his at this point, uh, which is really weird. You see it on the socials every now and again. uh, that They're just sick of him and the rotations. I know we criticise the keeper rotation plenty. um, But if there's ever a man, like, we love it. Like, I can't, I just can't understand how you can't love him. Like, he absolutely embodies everything that you want 2023 Brighton and Albion football club manager to be. Um, he he carries everything that is the passionate side of Tony Blue, frankly. Like, he is that moment of Tony swinging his scarf at the promotion stuff, but just embodied into one Italian, bold, up passionate man. <laughs> that's that's what you want, and you can see the players love him. They'll die for him. They fight for him. They love him. Like for me, like it's a blank cheque. But whatever you want, do it. Get get five year deal on the board. Whatever it costs.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's ready to move yet either. I I think just you know what what we're doing here and what he's instilled. Obviously, we're giving him a blank cheque and saying. Please stay. But I think it's also probably better for him and his team as well, right? You you sort of, you keep going here. That big job will eventually come. I don't think we're under any illusions. Um, But I think right now you're in the middle of a Europa League season. I'm under no illusions that we're we're not going to be in the top six this year because just with the amount of injuries that we have and and just what what we have going on. Um, So a nice little mid-table finish with some knockout European football is a very successful season. Um, so if he wants to build on that bring in more players we do need to back him right and I think that'll be part of that whole <laughs> contract negotiation is you know are we going to bring more people in so that this injury thing doesn't become a consistent factor um, as long as we can promise him that then you know the sky's the limit right Super manager deserves it
0: how long this final question how long do you think he stays
1: I think this is how I can see <laughs> the season going, I think obviously we don't qualify for top six. Um, with this team and this ethos that he has drilled into them and players coming back in the second half of the season, i'm I'm not gonna rule out winning a trophy because why should I at this point? <laughs> it's like we should stay excited, right round of sixteen. um like that we're still in a situation where, I don't think we finished top six, but we could still be playing Champions League football next year. Like, let's not forget that. Like, we're what? One, two, three, four. Like, if we finish top, we're like six games, seven games away from playing Champions League football. Like, that—that that is a real thing. Um, I think we don't finish top six this year. Whatever happens, happens uh, in the tournaments. I think 12th, 13th, 11th, somewhere like that. I think we come back stronger next year. And I think if we qualify for Europe next year, I think he probably stays. I think if he doesn't, but plays very, but does really well and keeps making a name for himself, then I can see someone wanting him enough to the point of like, we think he's being held back by the resources that you're giving him. We're going to offer him whatever he wants and bring him to the next level. So I think, dependent, it all depends on next season and where Brighton finish in my opinion What about you?
0: I have said pretty consistently that I think we'll get this season and next season
2: that's it I think so, yeah I reckon glass half empty, I I don't think we get European football next season Um, but you you get a full season to have a really good go at the domestics and and the league Um, and that's where he's probably going to make his mark so um as long as i think josh you're right like anywhere from 10th to 12th this this year in the league is perfectly fine and should be perfectly fine for for anyone um i think if you miss out on european football next year there is that conversation in that summer um or, or next summer sorry but i think ultimately has one more season to really put a stamp on it and then m- probably move to the next level um because
0: yeah. pep pep leaves in summer 2025
2: Uh, yeah, a, it's hard hard pressed to find a better alternative, really. To, 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 so, yeah.
0: I mean, like it depends if Pep's if Pep's having any say in his successor. You imagine he probably would do. Then Deserbi's going to be up there, isn't
1: he? Well well for Ferguson and Moyes, so why not? <laughs> 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 um, all right, last thing. Uh, we've got five games in 19 days now on the run-up to Christmas. Then we get a nice actual week-long break between Palace and uh, and Spurs, which has been a bit of a benefit, really, because they've pushed us back uh, for the Spurs game and they brought us forward for the other one. So we've actually been gifted a bit of a legitimate week off, um, which is rare in and of itself, especially around the Christmas period. But just from you guys, uh, we've got Brentford at home, Burnley at home, Arsenal away, and Palace away. So 12 points, 12 points up for grabs. How many do you think we get? Not how many do you want us to get, how many do you think we get from those four games?
0: 5
2: five. Five. Uh, I'm going to go six, I think.
1: Oh, and I'm going seven. Hmm. So we're all very optimistic, which is nice. I'm
0: going, I'm going a win. I'm going a win over either Brentford or Burnley, kind of side and a draw in the other one. Same, and then, and then a point at Palace. I think we beat them.
2: I, I'm dead set on two wins and two losses somewhere. I think that that was that was my that was my thinking.
0: So. You know what's going to happen is we're going to win at Arsenal and lose the other three. Yeah, 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 and, probably. In, yeah, in, <laughs> yeah. In, in
2: true Brighton fashion, that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. Yeah.
1: And final one, Marseille at home for the win. big boy qualification. Do we win. do it? Yeah,
2: yeah, you've got to go for it. Yeah, and I, and I think you probably forego that Arsenal result, don't you? You go, you yeah. go all right. in on the Thursday, and you've got uh, it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. similar yeah. to this week, really.
2: Yeah, you've got yeah, to go. You do. Yeah.
0: Because if, difference and if we, between start it's the difference basically between having another two weeks off well, it's two weeks in February that we wouldn't have a midweek game.
1: Yeah. So you you get that by It's
0: worth the gamble. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Vitally important at this yeah, point. Really is. Great, great point. <laughs> um, all right, perfect. So uh Wednesday, we've got Brentford. Uh next Saturday, a lovely three o'clock kickoff against Burnley. Love that. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be back in midweek. Probably not. Don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we'll be here for both um, to recover them both. Uh, I'll be out to burn the Burner game, not the Brentford midweek game. Traveling down there, it's not happening, especially with the train strikes going on. So that would be a disaster. Uh, Robin, are you making any before Christmas? Hoping to, TBC, okay. but hoping to all right cool well we will be back uh, next weekend at the latest possibly midweek if it's enough of a mess and crazy enough to warrant it um if it's like a nil nil you definitely won't be hearing from us um but have a good week everybody uh, first week of december wildly enough which is just unbelievable wild to think about yeah. um but be safe out there it's getting cold um and just yeah have a good week cheers all. okay bye ah!